This is another in Macworld series of Macworld Expo podcast, part of our week-long coverage of the most exciting Apple event of the year. In the next few minutes, you'll hear from some of the best and brightest in the industry, including Macworld editors and the movers and shakers in the Apple universe. And now, this episode's guest host. Macworld Podcast, Macworld Expo Special Edition for Wednesday, January 16th, 2008, sponsored by MYOB, Small Business Management Software. MYOB helps you to mind your own business smarter. Welcome to Macworld's Macworld Expo Special Edition Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Breen. It's day two of Macworld Expo, and we're back for more coverage of everything happening in Moscone's North, South, and West Halls. It was a big day yesterday, but the excitement doesn't begin and end with Steve Jobs' keynote address. There's lots happening here, and it's our mission to give you the details and flavor of the week's events. With that in mind, here's our first guest host. Welcome back to the Macworld show floor. I'm Chris Breen, senior editor for Macworld, and uh, it's the second day of the expo floor being open. It is Wednesday. And today was uh, the day that Macworld announces its Best of Show Awards, and I was fortunate enough, prescient enough even, <laughs> to have gone by uh, the booth of uh, a company that won one of the Best of Show Awards today. I have with me Jeff Ganyard from Mac Speech. Congratulations on your Best of Show Award. Thank you very much. We're uh, very pleased, very excited. Uh, big news for us. Just uh, found out. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's cool. You know, I know the Macworld staff sort of spreads out and brings signs, I guess, and says, here, you know, right. you we win. Have, well, we actually were invited over to the presentation. Oh, right, right, right. right. Okay. We uh, don't have our signs for a booth yet, but okay. we're, maybe by the time I get back to it. That's great. Well, uh, uh, most, most of our listeners are familiar with the name Mac Speech. You guys have been doing speech recognition software for how long now? The company's been around for just over 10 years. Mm-hmm. And we shipped our product up about 10 years ago, the product I listened. Right, right. So, but you have a new product this, this show. Right. It's Mac Speech Dictate, and that's what we're talking about now. It's a brand new speech engine underneath and a brand new application on top. So everything's all new. So um, you're going to see a lot better accuracy. You saw the demo earlier today. So right, you saw that. Much better accuracy, better performance. And I think the really exciting part being in engineering is that it gives us a great platform to do a lot of new stuff going forward. So great product out of the great out of the gate. Everyone's going to like it, use it, have a good time. But it gives us a lot of opportunity to really need things coming down uh, yeah. in the future. Yeah, at the risk of overshadowing the, the product, I think the first thing that I heard about it that was intriguing is that you guys are using the Dragon engine. Exactly. Uh, Apple did us a big favor by introducing Intel Max. So it made that port from the Nuance engine of Dragon Naturally Speaking much easier for us. We are Intel Mac only, and that really is what made it possible for us to be able to do what we did. Yeah, and I think what's what we should be sure to clarify is this is not Dragon Naturally Speaking for the Mac. No, no, it's you're not using Mac Dragon. It's right, not Dragon on the Mac. It, it's we're an independent company. We license the engine from them. We work with them to port it to the Macintosh platform, and we build a whole new application on top of it. Yeah. Now, I have to say that I did go to the demo this morning, and that's actually, after seeing the demo, is why I invited you guys here, because I've used, you know, at the risk of of denigrating other speech recognition programs prior to this, they were pretty good, but, you know, I I would look at something like Dragon on the PC and say, wow, you know, this is really amazing how fast it is, how accurate it is. 
And so uh, somebody said, no, you have to come and come to Max Speech and, have, and check this out. So I looked at it for 10 minutes, and I was blown away, frankly. I mean, it was so fast. That's awesome. That's so great. accurate. And so, you know, natural, really. I mean, the, you know, the presenter got up, and he just said, watch this. And, and there's a little notepad application that runs. Right. You talk, and it just happens. Now, we can dictate into any application, pretty much anywhere you can type. You, you can dictate, and you talk, and it'll do the typing for you. And we're, we're demoing right now the Notepad application. It gives us a few extra capabilities. We aren't yet at the point where we're shipping the product, so it just worked for us right now for demoing. It worked a little better in Notepad. Right. But when the shipping product, really, pretty much anywhere you can type, anywhere you can put the insertion cursor, the text cursor, should just be able to talk and it'll work for you. Yeah, now I noticed that, I, and maybe it was because it was, for me and a couple of media types, that they, they stretched a little bit maybe beyond what the, what the original demo was. Though. So we looked at Notepad first, and then through commands, able to open up applications. Right. So opened up Word and was able to dictate within Word, right. work, work nicely, text yes. edit yes. there. Um, so not only does it do speech recognition in terms of typing for you, but you can also invoke commands of various kinds? Sure. Command and control is certainly a part of the product. It's not not just dictation. And command and control has been... We started over with it. We started over the whole application, but compared to iListen, we were able to take advantage of new technologies from Apple, things like Core Data. And we have that as the backing store behind all the commands, which gives us much more flexibility and different performance, more performance as well. And we added in more types of commands. So Apple scripts, shell scripts, automator actions, text macros, just files. We'll launch a file for you if you ask for it. A URL, a bookmark. Uh, we built in some convenience things. We'll go and look at your bookmarks and turn them into commands for you. With machines now, we can do other things as well. We're, uh, we actually build a, an automated system that goes and looks at all your applications on your disk, and we have launch commands for those as well so that you can switch between applications. And we know the ones that are on your machine, so those are the only commands that exist for you. Right. Now, a lot of people who have tried uh, dictation software in the past have looked at it and thought about, oh, the onerous task of training this thing and having to read through, you know, 45 minutes of the longest, dullest text they've ever tried before. So how long does it take to train this? Five minutes. Really? Yeah, five minutes. So about a minute of that, you got to set up your microphone, which you have to do anyway. You right. know how loud you speak, what type of microphone you have, the gain level, so that it knows what to expect as far as sound. And after that, we're listening for about four minutes of sound while you read a story, which takes about five minutes to actually say. So it's five minutes of training, and you're done. Wow. So what kind of accuracy are you you know, generally seeing from this thing? You know what you saw, and that was on a noisy show floor, yeah. but... Uh, with testers in our own use, 98, 99, 100%. Yeah. And you know, 100% is over a given period of time. We're never going to claim anyone's getting 100% accuracy. But certainly for long stretches or you know, paragraphs at a time, you shouldn't need to correct or edit anything that you spoke. Okay, and so does it learn over time so it gets more accurate as you, as you go along? Not exactly. There, okay. there is the ability to correct. Mm-hmm. And this ability is not going to be in what ships this quarter, but we will add it on. It will be a free upgrade. Okay. And just a few changes we need to make in order to make that work the way we want it to work. The correction process previously was a little bit awkward yeah. at best. And we've certainly listened to that feedback, and we want to make it very easy and very useful. We decided to hold that back in order to get the product out, partly because we want to get the product out. Right, right. But also because the accuracy is so high that the, the need to correct 
the need to modify that profile is not as high as it, as it would be otherwise. Mm -hmm. We do have the ability for you to add words, add phrases, analyze your, analyze your documents. So between being able to add your, your documents and your words and being able to easily edit your documents, correction we were able to, we decided that it's not going to play as high a role. Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of our users over time may never really even use a correction interface. Well, we certainly will be adding it. Okay. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot, and I'm going to actually make you perform. And that is, uh, walk me through what you would say into your microphone to say, launch an application, um, say a couple of paragraphs, and, I mean, do I have to know a special language to make this happen? or No. Okay. So, so walk me through something. Open. Just, just to preface text. that a little bit, we've... Uh, we've got new capabilities in this engine that we didn't have before. A, a, a modeless, modeless use or, or a hybrid mode where commands and dictation coexist. Okay. You don't have to explicitly shift to let the engine know that you're now going to say a command. All right. So it should just interpret it based on what the commands are in your list. So to use it, be something like along the lines of open Microsoft Word, new document, a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, ellipsis, new paragraph, there was a Mac World Live podcast, period. Save document, quit Microsoft Word. And that's it. Yeah. And I noticed during the demo that I, I almost expected the, the guy who was demoing this to speak in very measured tones and very slowly so that it would understand what he was saying. And no, he was talking like I'm talking and just speaking in his natural voice. He would occasionally throw in punctuation, comma, sure. yep. period, new paragraph, and it just typed it. You know, there was there was the, a bit of delay while it's sort of thinking about it, and so you he was about two sentences along, and maybe the program was two sentences behind, but by the time it decided to say, okay, here it is, it came out beautifully accurate, and uh, I think the one glitch was switching applications or something. It got a little, got a little behind in that, but... It's possible. But uh, other than that, it, it really was very natural, the, the delivery. And hopefully he had better things to say than what I just made up on the spot. No, what so. you did was brilliant. Really. And, uh, and we may be sued for using that line, but I'm not sure. I hope not. So uh, will this come bundled with a microphone? Absolutely. Uh, we will ship it with a microphone. Uh, USB headset, good, high quality noise canceling microphone. Uh, speech recognition is really one of those very true cases of the quality in really... Uh, Indicates the quality coming out. Right. Garbage in, garbage out. Right, right. High quality in, higher quality, high quality out. Okay. So you really want to use a good headset. Current iListen users do have a cross-grade path, and their headsets will definitely work, mm -hmm. continue to work with the new product. Right. And during this week, for anyone who bought it uh, prior to 2008, the cross-grade price is $79. All right. Available through a website. Mm -hmm. After this week, it will be $99. Right. Anyone who purchased in, in 2008 is $29. Again, cross-grade through the website. Okay. It's maxspeech.com. There are still copies of iListen on the shelves out there. You can go buy that and then cross-grade it for $29, and you're going to save about $20 off of our retail price. Your boss wants you to say that? This is going out to uh, millions of listeners now. That's and, right. Uh, okay. Well, boss, uh, just know that I did not twist his arm to say that. So if you want to save some money... Rush out and get iListen now. If you think if you think you were going to want to use Max Speech Dictate, yeah, this is a, the least expensive way to get into it. Right. Uh, at that point, you have both products. So if you do have a PowerPC machine around, you can right. use you can still have a solution for it. 
Uh, just a reminder that Max Beer Street Kids Intel Max only. Right. So that is a little limiter for, for some of the people out there. And the retail price will be $199. Okay. We are doing a show special this week at the booth only mm-hmm. for $149. Great. So if you're in town, if you're at the show, check it out. because And, and definitely stay for the demo because um, you will see that it works remarkably well. It's remarkably um, natural, so you don't have to speak like a robot in order for it to work. <laughs> and uh, and I've really, honestly, I've stayed away for, from speech recognition on the Mac prior to this. And this is going to move me over, I think, honestly, because it's... Uh, Glad to hear it. Well, I've been typing a long time, and I'm starting to get a little sore. Yeah. And uh, and now I'm thinking that this is a good way to go. So um, I'm really looking forward to the release. When can we expect it to ship? It'll be... It'll be this quarter. This quarter. Okay, great. And we're not going to push right to the end. It will be this quarter. It'll be really this quarter, and it not just really the, be the this hours quarter. before this quarter. It'll be this quarter, and, and just because we want people to come by the booth and take a look at it, we're in... Uh, S six oh seven. S six oh seven. Great. Well, thanks very much, Jeff, for joining me. And uh, I, I think this is going to do really well. And again, congratulations on your best of show award. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Okay, we are back with another stellar developer here at the MacWorld Podcast booth. I am joined by Paul Kafasis from Rogue Amoeba. That's me. That's you. And uh, last year you didn't have a booth. We didn't. This year you've got a booth? We had a booth in 06. We had a booth in 04. We like to do every other year. Every So you like doing the even years rather yeah. than the odd years. And uh, this year you uh, you recently released one of my favorite programs, uh, an updated version of this, and that is Airfoil. Yep. Uh, tell the folks at home and the folks out here wandering around uh, exactly what Airfoil is. Uh, so Apple has a device called the Airport Express, and that lets you send audio from iTunes out to your stereo. Uh, basically, it's designed Apple selling music uh, through the iTunes Music Store, and people wanted to get that audio out to their stereo, where they generally have better speakers than on their Mac. Uh, and so they released this router that also works to send audio to your stereo. Uh, but the problem is it only worked with iTunes. So Airfoil was designed to let you send any audio out to that. Uh, audio from me- other media players like RealPlayer, QuickTime Player, uh, web-based audio. So Pandora is a big one that uh, people use Airfoil with. Last FM, XM, and Sirius have streams online. Basically, any audio out to uh, to the Airport Express is the what Airfoil's simple description is. Right. Okay. So version three, what makes right. this so that's, new? So that's and version three-ish. one and version two, really. Um, version three has two big new features: uh, Airfoil speakers and Airfoil video player. Uh, Airfoil speakers is designed to run on any Mac, and it turns that Mac into a virtual Airport Express. So basically, if you have multiple Macs on your in a local network. You can have one running airfoil, and you can use it to send audio from that machine to another Mac. Uh, so in addition to being able to play audio to Airport Express units, you can play it to other Macs around your house. Uh, the idea just being getting your getting your music wherever you want uh, in your house. And uh, if you already have a Mac in place, you don't need to put an Airport Express in there, too. Right. Uh, so you've probably got at least some speakers on there. And uh, basically, yeah, like I say, getting audio anywhere in your house. Okay. And then about video. So Airfoil Video Player is, is it's an interesting solution uh, to a problem that I at least at first, didn't really understand. Uh, People want to be able to play video on their Mac, but have the audio come out through an Airport Express. Uh, So Macs have bigger and bigger screens, and they're starting to look more and more like TVs. Uh, And so they're pretty great screens, and so people are watching video locally. 
and then playing the audio remotely through the Airport Express. The problem is that, uh, and they were doing this with Airfoil, right. but the problem is that the audio to the Airport Express is delayed. Uh, there's a buffer built in, so it's about two seconds of, uh, of delay. So you'd be watching a movie, and somebody would say something, their mouth would move, and then two seconds later you'd hear what they had said. Uh, so it's awful. It was, it was unusable. Right. Uh, so Airfoil Video Player is a video player built on QuickTime and uses the uh, Parian plugin, if you're familiar with that. It's a plugin that uh, lets QuickTime support a lot more video formats. And uh, we take control of the video, uh, hold the video for a couple seconds after it's been played, play the video at the same time that the audio is playing remotely. So it's uh, on, on the back end of it, it's a whole lot of technical work and, uh, and hacking and uh, uh, just a whole bunch of work to, to, to make this happen. But uh, when you actually use it in practice, it just looks like exactly like what you'd expect where the audio is in sync with the video. Yeah, I was going to ask you, and maybe it is too technical, but how do you do that? Because I remember talking about Airfoil 1, and you know, we were just, I, I completely understand the take that how useful is this, or at least how useful was that at one time? You said, well, yeah, here are the issues that we're facing, and okay, if you want to do it. So is there sort of a, a normal person's explanation sure, of how this sure. magic is done? Well, I mean, so what really made us interested in this is not just that we had a few requests for it, but that we actually had to give about, I think, 250 or 300 refunds over the past year to people who bought the software and then said, oh, I'm trying to use it with video, and it didn't work. Uh, so apparently they didn't test it at all. Right, and, uh, the, and the proper answer isn't, well, why would you want to do that? Well, right, right. It's, it's well, that doesn't work, and here's why, and we have all these explanations on the site, and try it before you buy it, and we're really frustrated with you, so instead we're just going to make Airfoil Video Player and, and make it work. Right. Um, but so the way that it works, the basics of it is uh, we're already capturing the audio from Airfoil Video Player. That's easy. We, can, we have control of the audio. And so since we have our own video player, uh, we can control that video. We can buffer that video. We basically hold it. Uh, we play the video off screen. Uh, so it's basically being played invisibly and then hold it for two seconds and then play it on screen. Uh, so it's it's I don't I, it's almost like there's the playbacks going on behind a curtain and then when it should be playing to be in sync is that's when we actually throw it up on the screen. Um, it's not I mean the concept is understandable it's easy to understand right. but uh, the actual technic technical details of it are uh, pretty hairy. Right now, are you playing nicely enough with QuickTime that you don't need to fear? A QuickTime 8 or something comes out and suddenly everything goes to hell. Right, so this is actually just built on QuickTime like most of the video players on the Mac are. Uh, there's a whole lot of video players that uh, just use QuickTime as a back end. And yeah, this isn't uh, this isn't doing anything out of the ordinary. It's just uh, using QuickTime as sort of a foundation and then uh, putting our, our code on top of it so that we can grab the video and the audio. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's certainly something that's completely completely legitimate and, and there's no fear there that an update will injure it or anything. Right. Now is there... Okay, so you're working with Airport Express at this time. Any consideration of other Apple network devices? Well, so the the rumor is, and I, I haven't gotten over to the Apple booth to get a confirmation on this, that the Apple TV update will make the Apple TV act as a as an AirTunes device. Yeah, so it'll that's basically look like an Airport Express. Right. Uh, so prior to this, when the Apple TV was sort of languishing for a year, uh, we had talked about coding it up so that we could run basically airfoil speakers on the Apple TV and turn the Apple TV into a, an Airport Express. Right. Uh, the problem was that no one was going to be able to install it. The you know three people who'd actually hacked their Apple TVs would have been able to install it, and that would have been it. Yeah. Uh, so it looks like now that Apple's changed it such that uh, the Apple TV will be basically an AirTunes device, and iTunes will be able to send to it, as will uh, Airfoil. I think, uh, talking to some people, it sounds like we'll need a, a, a minor update. But uh, So that's the idea, is just to be able to play with as much as we can. Right. Uh, so... 
uh, any other audio devices. I can't think of, like the uh, the time capsule. That's wireless. Yeah. There's no, there's yeah. no audio Nothing on there. there Nothing so, for uh, you there. So yeah, but the Apple TV is definitely a logical progression. Right. And then there's also uh, we've gotten a lot of uh, questions about the iPhone and the iPod Touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I what interests me is running airfoil speakers on that so that you can stream audio to the device around your house. But what a lot of people want to do is run airfoil on there so that they can take audio from the device right. and stream it. So just pull out their iPhone and say, you know, stream to my Airport Express. Uh, so that's something that uh, we're waiting for the SD, SDK from Apple. Yeah. And when that's out, uh, we'll see just how easy it'll be to do things and uh, just how valuable we really think it is. But we've already had a whole bunch of people over to the booth to say, hey, I want to run this on my iPhone. Yeah. And uh, well, at this point, it's sort of, well, we're going to wait for Apple to actually say, here's how you do it, yeah. instead of dealing with uh, jailbreaks and things like that. Well, but, and that's what I wonder, if Apple's really going to let developers in at that low level, where they say, oh, uh, no. You can't. <laughs> Sorry. Right, and that's sort of the concern, is that uh, how open will this be? Because on Mac OS X, you can do almost anything you need to. And if you really need to get in there, you have full access to everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the with the iPhone, it's a much more of a closed system, uh, and so it'll be interesting to see just what we can do. And if some of the there's rumors flying all over the place, and who knows if any of them are true, but some of them are uh, code source reviews from Apple, right. so that you don't crash people's iPhones. Which, if they're doing it for the iPhone, I don't know why they wouldn't do it for computers as well. So right. it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem logical to me to do that. But maybe that is what they plan to do. Um, and in that case, who knows if they'll actually let this product be uh, go through their, uh, you know, whatever program they have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then if some one of the rumors was sales on iTunes, right. uh, sales through iTunes as sort of a software store for the iPhone, right. which makes sense because it'd be easy to install that way. Right. But who knows if they'd let us sell it uh, through that, if they'd be interested in actually having this work with the Airport Express or not. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see just what happens uh, in February when the SDK comes out. Yeah, uh, and I anticipate uh, February's a leap year, so I anticipate that they'll be pushing it to the 29th. Uh, so uh, not that you know anything about it, but no, no, it's not like Leopard came out at like, yeah. the last possible Friday of October or anything like right, that. Right, right. Uh, so hopefully at the end of February we'll uh, be able to see just what uh, what we'll be able to do with that as well. Yeah. So I mean, if the SDK allows you to do some really interesting things, you, you guys are definitely interested in developing for the iPhone. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and not just airfoil, anything that's yeah. uh, anything where there's an opening because. It's, we started out about five and a half years ago, and it was right when OS X was young. And there was, it was this wide open plain, and uh, you know, it, was like, uh, it was like the Wild West almost. Yeah. Uh, and you could go out there, and you could stake your claim, and, uh, and hopefully have something great come out of it. And the iPhone is almost the same thing again. It's, uh, it's an open ecosystem uh, as far as what products exist out there. And there's very few products already. You know, Apple has their base products, and they cover a whole lot of what you need. Right. But I think there's plenty of, uh, of niches to fill with custom software. And uh, what better place to go than a place that has, what, 4 million uh, devices out there in uh, nine months? Yeah. Uh, no, seven months, whatever it was. Uh, so it's definitely something that really interests us as sort of a new environment to, to develop for, absolutely. Right. Well, I know that you certainly uh, would not care to avoid the warranty on your iPhone. And so, but I was wondering if, if maybe in a dream somewhere you've, you've actually explored the inside of the iPhone and thought, Huh. Let's see. I've seen what other people have done. I think there's a way for us to take advantage of some of the capabilities that are built into this thing. We really haven't looked too much at it. Uh, originally, well, when it first came out, you couldn't do anything with it. Right. Uh, and then, you know, they jail, they got jailbroken and people were inside there. And we've seen a whole lot of the cool stuff that people have done. 
And so I've seen a lot of the programs and, and thought that's really cool. You know, maybe we could use a component of that. But uh, we haven't done anything too technical yet. Again, it's something where we're saying let's let's get the SDK. Right. And when we have that, we can say, all right, this product makes sense, or you know, this idea and this idea and this idea, and let's push forward with that. Uh, but it's something where we've just sort of been waiting for uh, since the announcement of the SDK. We've certainly just been waiting to say, all right, let's uh, let's wait and get that, and then we can really take a push at it, take a take sure. a stake, take a stab at it, rather. Yeah, well, good for them for finally doing it. I, yeah, uh, I know WWDC was sort of like. Well, the uh, thing was, yeah. Well, you have a, a room full of a thousand, two thousand of the smartest Mac developers in the world, and uh, some of the smartest Mac developers in the world. Not everybody, but. Uh, you're not going to trick them into thinking that web apps are going to do everything that they need. Yeah. Uh, web apps are great, but they're not the same as desktop apps in terms of the access that they have to the hardware and uh, all sorts of lower-level stuff that you want to do. Uh, you just can't do especially if you don't always have a network connection. Right. Uh, there's all sorts of stuff you want to do that shouldn't require a network connection, but if it's a web app, suddenly it does. Uh, so it's something where it, it seems to me that that was sort of thrown in at the last minute. Uh, somebody said, oh, let's try and appease them with this. And then yeah, that certainly it worked. Didn't work very well at all. And uh, so a couple months later, they said, "All right, well, let's uh, let's do this right." Yeah. And uh, maybe maybe they wanted to do that from the get go and just didn't feel like they could. But I I wish they would have just said from day one, uh, you know, we're going to have an SDK. In the meantime, you can do web apps. Yeah. Instead of just web apps are great. That's the perfect solution. Right. And then you know what? Two months later, nope. Wait, an SDK is the right idea. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I think they got their news bump for that one day where the mainstream press said, hey, you're going to be able to, you know, look, uh, web apps. Web like, apps. Like, that's important. Right. You know, and the next day, everybody it sort of sinks in, and those people who care go, oh. Wait a minute. No, that's wait, not going to do what we need. That's not what we want at all. Uh, speaking of sort of geeky stuff, um, you have been getting a lot of play over uh, distribution of your software yeah. at the show. I mean, yeah. there's sort of this unique idea that maybe the normal Mac user is not all that interested in, but the developer community yeah. and the people who are showing at the show have been talking a lot about it. So tell us what so that's about. Basically, uh, Quentin, one of the co-founders over at Rogue Amoeba, came up with an idea called LiveDisc. Uh, I should give a little bit of background. At Macworld, we like to give away a CD with our software on it. Uh, and there's a couple ways to get that CD. You can get it pressed. You can uh, send it out and get it mastered by a CD duplication company. Uh, but the lead times on that, especially around the holidays because of when Macworld falls, wind up being pretty long. You need to have that done. I think we, we did it in 2004. I think we had it done in like mid-December, like December 12th, and we overnighted it to them and approved it and, uh, and got it done from there. But uh, So that's like a month ahead of time before the show. And the problem is that if you put out software in between, suddenly that disc is out of date. Right. So in 2006, we actually had a CD duplicator, uh, basically a little robot that uh, has a CD burner in it and it's got some mechanics to move CDs in and out. And so I duplicated about, uh, I think for that year we did about 4,000 CDs, uh, just stacking them up and you give it a master, master disc and then it burns them. Uh, and so you've cut down on the lead time significantly because you don't have to worry about uh, all the... Uh, all the mechanics of uh, the duplication plant, which basically is uh, just adds to the lead time. Uh, but still, that was something where we were duping them maybe like the third week of December, fourth week of December, uh, for mid-January or earlier January in 06, I think it was. But uh, so the basic goal is to have the most up-to-date software given to these users. Right. Uh, we're handing out a CD and we're saying, you know, we want you to try our software and if we fix some bugs, we don't want them using a version that we know has bugs in it. Um, so Quentin came up with this idea called LiveDisc, and basically what it does is it uh, you load the CD in your computer, and you launch a simple little application, and it shows all our software, uh, and if you, you just drag it to your desktop to install it, and it's pretty basic. But on the back end, what it's doing is uh, checking for new versions on our website. It checks our website, and it says, oh, this one is out of date. 
Uh, so when you drag and drop from the application, it actually downloads from the website instead. Uh, it's all pretty seamless. When you use it, you don't really notice any of this. You just, you're just installing the software. But right. what happens is that as long as you have a network connection, you always get the latest version. And if you don't have a network connection, at least you get uh, a pretty recent version mm-hmm. uh, that works pretty well. Uh, so th- the basic idea is that now you can dupe these CDs at any time uh, and have you'll always have the latest version. Even if you put out something after the fact, it'll right. just download instead of being on the CD itself. Right. Um, and so, yeah, developers have been really interested in this uh, just as a way to sort of streamline the process or make it a better process. Yeah. Uh, and it's something where uh, we've had a whole lot of people come over to the booth and say, oh, you guys, is this the live disc, the famous live disc? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not even just developers. It's people that read about it on developers' blogs mm-hmm. and things like that. Uh, but I'm, I'm a little worried that people like that product more than, uh, <laughs> more than any of our real products. Um, so is this the kind of thing you're sharing with others, or are you just saying no, it's ours? No, and no you cannot hear. Give well, us five hundred dollars. Right. So we got the press. Uh, we got the press this year uh, for this, and uh, well, it's something that we could license it, and I think it's you know a valuable enough product that licensing it might make sense. Yeah. But it's such a it's such such a small niche right. that uh, we'd have to charge you know thousand dollars, two thousand dollars for it. And developers are the type of people who would say, yeah, I'll just implement that myself. Yeah. So it's something where uh, we may look at it in, in the next month or so and say, all right, you know, here's the open source version of it. Right. Uh, it's built on top of some other open source projects. Uh, Sparkle is uh, the it's a version checking software right. that is in dozens, hundreds of Mac applications that are out there mm-hmm. to make it easier to install updates. Basically, Sparkle works to find new versions, download them and install them, and you basically do it with one click within the application. The application says, hey, there's a new version. You say, okay, and it spins in the background and downloads it, and then you say, relaunch and install, and then you're done. Right. Uh, and so this works with Sparkle uh, to get our get the newest versions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it's, so it's something where, you know, we're interested to sort of give this back, I think, probably. Uh, we probably, it was done within the past... We coded it. Quentin was coding it uh, just before Christmas, so uh, it's, we want to make sure it works. We yeah. don't, hopefully, we don't get you know five thousand emails from people who say the CD doesn't work. Oh uh, uh, yeah, whoops! <laughs> but uh, we tested it pretty well, yeah. so uh, hopefully it, it'll survive the show, and uh, and then we'll see about uh, opening it up to other developers. That's right. I think it, I think it is a good solution. Uh, Omni Group, I'm sure you're familiar with yeah, Omni yeah, Group. Yeah. Uh, they had a weblog post a day or two ago that said uh, we just released Beta Five of, uh, oh, I forget what it was, uh, one of their applications. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our CDs have beta 4, so if you, if you get a CD, make sure you download the new version. And right. so they, they right there, they could have used LiveDisk, yeah. and their users would have automatically gotten the newer version. Right. So it's something that, uh, yeah, it's definitely interesting technology and, and a, a clever idea that Quentin came up with. Uh, I can't take any credit for it. Uh, but uh, hopefully, hopefully we can give it back to uh, some other developers as well. Oh, that's very nice. All right, so in addition to Airfoil 3, uh, which is, how much is that? Uh, $25. $25. Any show specials on uh, this If people stuff? swing by, there's uh, CDs. Is this going to go out before the end of the show? I don't want to upset anybody. Yes. Okay. It's going live right now to these uh, Well, people. are these people outside? The people outside the Hello there. there she, oh, she had a nice smile. <laughs> um, no, I think this will be posted uh, this evening or uh, or tomorrow. Okay, is, so if Thursday, people yeah. swing by the booth, uh, 2738 in the South Hall, if I can sure. that. It's the you one bet. with the giant inflatable amoeba. Uh, you haven't been by the booth yet. You haven't seen this. No, I haven't seen the giant inflatable amoeba yet. Uh, 2738 in the uh, South Hall, so far right. And they can pick up a CD. There's a 20% discount on there. So okay. Airfoil would be $20, and that's good through the end of the month. Right. And then other uh, products? So uh, we're showing off 
all of our software, but uh, Fission and Audio Hijack Pro are audio recording and editing tools. Mm-hmm. Now, you've um, got a bundle, right? So you right, that's bundle a bundle right there. So that's uh, that's actually $50 for that bundle, and that's uh, that's as low as it goes. Right. Uh, <laughs> and then Radio Shift, our newest application, right. is uh, we're showing that off, and people are pretty excited about that, too. Could you tell a little bit about Radio Shift, because I think it's an intriguing idea. Yeah, so uh, a lot of people use Audio Hijack Pro to record internet radio. Uh, audio Hijack Pro lets you record any audio, but a lot of people use it for internet radio streams. And the problem is that it's uh, sort of clunky to do that. It's mm-hmm. almost like a VCR where you have to say, record channel 4 channel uh, from 7 to 8 p.m., whatever. Uh, with this, you have to say, record this URL of a stream from this time on this day. Uh, so it's you know it takes a lot of setup, especially finding that URL. Uh, so RadioShift was designed to simplify this and say, you know, how can we make this as easy as possible? And so we teamed up with a company called Radio Time, and they have a guide, and it lists uh, over 50,000 different listings uh, for internet radio. So it's internet radio stations, uh, internet radio programs. So the schedules of some of these stations have you know dozens of programs every week. Uh, and so this guide lets you search for various things, whether it's NPR, BBC content, your local radio station if it has a radio stream over the internet, uh, basically anything that's out there. Uh, you can search for it and hopefully find it. There's, like I say, about 50,000 listings, yeah. so there's plenty of content in there. And uh, if it comes up, you can just say, uh, I want to listen now if it's, uh, if it's on right now, uh, and tune in. Or you can say subscribe, and when you click subscribe, it'll record it every time that it's on. Right. Uh, so basically the idea is just to make it as easy as possible to get this audio uh, off the Internet, and then you can listen to it at your leisure or put it on an iPod, take it into iTunes, whatever you want to do with it. Uh, but instead of sort of being tied to the Internet to listen to this, uh, you can listen whenever you like to. Um, and it's something that's uh, it's still in its infancy. We, we have a lot more we want to do with it, but uh, I think it's already a pretty great product. Uh, what a lot of people are doing with it is actually just listening to audio. Yeah. Uh, so there's content from all around the globe. It's not just the U.S. or anything like that. We've got uh, content from Europe and the Middle East and Asia. And uh, so if you're looking for, you know... Uh, Content from a country that you're visiting, uh, or or that you're you know from wherever, um, whatever it is, you can find content all around the globe uh, and tune in. And what's really great is that it's all in one player. Right. So when you use uh, when you use Audio Hijack Pro and you listen to these web streams, uh, you usually have to use QuickTime Player or Real Player, Windows Media Player, and uh, there's varying level of levels of quality in those mm-hmm. applications. And uh, just having to deal with you know three or four different media players is sort of clunky. Yeah. Radio Shift has uh, takes advantage of some of the plugins that are out there. Uh, the Flip for Mac plugin, which right. lets you play Windows Media content. Uh, Real Player, you can hook into Real Player and not actually have to launch it or anything like that. So all the playback happens right inside of Radio Shift. Yeah. Uh, and so you have one player for all your listening and, and recording needs as well. Yeah, and I find the the interface is compelling. I like the that map view. You know because. Look, you can find this stuff if you go onto the web somewhere and kind of surf for the, the proper radio stations, but it is all in one place. Right. And if I want to go to South Africa and listen to what's top 40 in, in South Africa, it's very easy to do just through a simple map interface. Yep. It's very pretty. Click there. There are the stations. Start playing. What's what's going on in South Africa? Right, absolutely. And, and there's uh, what's really cool is that so we've got this giant database, and we've tried to figure out the best ways to search it. You can do uh, obviously just a keyword search, so you can search for car talk or fresh right. air or whatever. Uh, but you can also search by genre. We show some of the most popular stuff, uh, and then the world view, which I really like as well. It's, uh, it's just a giant map, and it shows uh, the city. So you'd search like Johannesburg, mm-hmm. and uh, if you click that, it shows uh, you know the twenty or thirty radio stations that we know are uh, in that area, right. and you can tune right in. So yeah, it's. Uh, it's definitely the biggest. That was probably the biggest issue with creating this product was figuring out how to uh, sort of get this giant database 
into a way that people could actually consume it into small bites. Uh, so it's, you know, cities. So if people want music from cities or if people want jazz, we can just find the jazz. But when you have this enormous amount of content, we have to figure out different ways for you to access it. Yeah, because I was a Radio Time subscriber right. when they had sort of this really funky Mac client, you know, and, it, and I talked to the developer and he'd say, yeah, well, we got this great database. But we just, you know, we can't spend a lot of time developing for the Mac, and, and this is sort of a Band-Aid solution, and it's great on the PC, but, um, and then they finally just said, you know, we give up. We, we just can't, we don't have the kind of support we need for Windows Media and that sort of thing. So I was really pleased to see Radio Shift come out, because great, it's a great interface, the product is still alive, and I can still get to this content when I want to, so thanks right. for doing that. Right, no, absolutely, and it was something where uh, we knew this was the way to go as far as simplifying inter- internet radio was to say... Well, make it one click. Yeah. And the only way to do that was with a database like this. And thankfully, Radio Time has such a database, and, uh, and we worked out a deal with them, uh, a licensing deal, and uh, it's just worked out well for us. Right. Well, and uh, once again, your booth is? 2738 in the South Hall. Just look for the giant, giant inflatable amoeba. That's right. Yeah. Gonna, can I go over there and bounce on it at the end of the show? Yeah, you can punch him, and he'll punch back. And really? I took a picture with Sinbad and the giant inflatable amoeba. It's, uh, <laughs> it's three ridiculous people, you know, Sinbad and the amoeba and myself. That's, does the Amoeba actually have a name? That's Ammo. Ammo the Amoeba. Ammo the Amoeba. Okay, great. Well, if you're at the uh, at the show, come by and see the giant inflatable Amoeba, as well as pick up your disc. Your live disc. Live absolutely. disc, and check out the products from Rogue Amoeba. And uh, thanks very much, Paul, for joining me. Thanks, Chris. Absolutely. Happy to be here. And that concludes this episode of the special Macworld Expo edition of the Macworld Podcast. I'd like to thank our guests as well as you for listening. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at macworld.com or you can leave us a voicemail at 415-520-9761. This is Chris Breen reminding you that you can find more Apple, Mac, iPod, iPhone, Macworld Expo and technology news, views and information at macworld.com. See you next time.